welcome to another installment of Creator Talks. I'm your host, Christopher Calloway. On today's show, I have three guests, the masterminds behind Metal Shark Bro, Kevin Cuff, and co-writer Bob Franz. Join me along with artist Walt Ostley. Metal Shark Bro is the brainchild of Kevin and Bob, and in less than a day, they had the basic plot down, assembled the rest of the team, and put together a Kickstarter that was successfully funded for the first issue. It is the story of a shark off the coast of Bali that is transmuted by Beelzebra, the nephew of Satan, into a heinous anthropomorphic shark with a penchant for brutal murder. So what's the connection between ACDC and this story? Sometimes the best ideas come to us while we're commuting. So besides getting the story behind the story of Metal Shark Bro, I talked to Kevin about being a single parent. What are some of the tips and tricks that he's learned that he can share with us? And Bob Franz is all about pies and pie fest. What is that? Well, we're going to find out. And Walt, a man with many talents, a writer, an artist, inker, colorer. How does he get it all done? How does he balance all of that work and still get enough sleep? And we all talk about metal music. What's their favorite? What do they recommend? And we talk about my first experience at a heavy metal concert, Ozzy Osbourne. That and the fun questions I ask all my guests. It gets a little nuts, so hop aboard our crazy train. Please join me, Kevin Cuff, Bob Franz, and Walt Osley, the creators of Metal Shark Bro. Here now on Creator Talks. Kevin, welcome to Creator Talks. Hi, Chris. Thanks for having us. And Bob. Hi, Chris. Thank you for having us. And Walt. Hello. How's it going? Great. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me this evening to talk about Metal Shark Bro. But first, let's get to know each of you a little better. Kevin, I'll start with you. You're a writer. You're a podcaster. You've worked on Oathbound, Iron Skull, and you're half the team of the Word Bro podcast. Now, first, tell me about your comic writing. What got you started? I would say my dad got me started. Uh, weirdly enough, this is back when they had spinner racks in the grocery stores, and I grew up in uh, New York. I would always ask for them, and then when I got my allowance, I would buy them when I got old enough. It would probably be him who got me started into comics, and then what got me started writing comics was just enough reading of them where I was like, I have ideas. Like, I think I could do this. Like, fostered the idea that became Oathbound later. Good for your dad getting you started. Did what I did. I spent my allowance on comics. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, writing say, why not? What's to stop me? How about your podcast? How did you start that? And what do you like about podcasting? I enjoy podcasting with Bob. We are the word bros. <laughs> and that was Bobby's idea. So Bobby was like, we should do a podcast. We have lots of ideas about writing comics. We'd like to talk to people about writing comics and just talk about comics. And sometimes we don't even talk about comics. That's the good thing about podcasting. So... <laughs> we talk about whatever comes up. For everyone there at home, why should they listen to podcasts? And for those who don't listen to podcasts, who probably will never hear this, why should they? Why should they give it a shot? Podcasts are just fun, almost freeform radio. So it kind of reminds me of like a zine would be in the 90s. So I'm dating myself, but if you remember the 90s and zines, that's kind of what podcasts are now. Like it's the zine of the 2000s. <laughs> I would say that if you have an interest in something, there's a podcast about it. You should take up listening to said podcast because not only are they fun, but they're informative. You can learn some stuff and find out more about your favorite hobbies. Absolutely. There's so much out there. Just do a search on iTunes and you'll find 
find something you're interested in and it's a great way to pass the time or like I always say, get through a difficult task you really don't like to do. Put on those headphones and <laughs> enjoy yourself for a change. Now, you're also a single dad and I find it hard enough wrangling two boys each evening with the missus. She does a lot, so I'm not claiming like I do everything. But I've been there. I've been there where I've been the single dad. And tonight, while she was out, I was trying to get my little guy to bed, the youngest of the two that I have, and he managed to, while I was looking down reading, a comic crawl out of the crib for the first time with a thud. With a thud. <laughs> that does like, sound good, Chris. <laughs> no, no. And mom's like, is he okay? I'm like, yeah, he's fine. Because like his older brother, who's seven, he got out the first time. We were both sitting downstairs, and he startled us because he suddenly appeared. And we oh, it's like we both like you suddenly freeze and there's like kind of like adrenaline shot that goes through your body. Like, what's that? Houdini B. Yeah. One time I was <laughs> reading and I looked up and he was standing in front of me. I'm like, well, how'd you do that? So he, the older one, is very coordinated. The younger one, he's still <laughs> learning about gravity. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me, some of the challenges you face, what advice do you have for single dads? It's a tough job. That is a question I've never been asked, but and it's a great question. Single dadding is hard, mainly if you have a day job too, like I do. So I have a day job and then I write comics. So I'd say the key is with my kid, I've learned how to like tire him out. So I'm not as tired. <laughs> you have to go do this or do that or um, how to occupy his time. He loves video games. So I let him play um, a certain amount of video games if he's well behaved uh, as a reward because he really likes to play video games and he likes to read. So those two things help because a comic goes a long way and so does a book. A lot of reading helps. Regular trips to Barnes & Noble as a parent they can be invaluable for the money you spend on a book. That would be my biggest advice right there. And it's weird to say because you write as a job sort of, then you're like, oh, well, go buy books. But it's really true. If they love that book, I mean, I can't count how many times he's asked for the latest Dave Pilkey, Captain Underpants, or Dogman because of a reward. So establish a reward system keep a routine. Those would be my single dadding advice tips, but th it's not always so easy to do. That's all very good advice. And to be fair, I do want to correct myself and say single parent because men and women both, single parents have to deal with this. So it's a challenge, but uh, it is also very rewarding and exhausting. <laughs> and there's actually no greater reward than, than being a parent, I don't feel like, because when you go to get something or like there was a day where it was cloudy outside and he was like well we're not gonna be able to do anything today we're not gonna be able to do anything fun so we bought laser tag guns from walmart and ran around the backyard shooting each other for i would say half of the afternoon it was nice to feel 12 again but my knees were not <laughs> for that challenge <laughs> the other thing i was thinking of too is distraction and redirection no is tough to get across to a little one unless you know it's a matter of life and limb no, don't put your finger in the socket, but do this. Why don't you help me with this is a great way to get them back on track rather than saying, no, 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 because they're like, oh, I'm going to fight that. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> now, Bob, over to you. You're a writer. You're also the other half of the podcast, Word Bros. Yeah. <laughs> and the other half of the Metal Shark Bro team. As far as the writing goes, you began self-publishing, what, 10 years ago in 2008? That was your first self-published work? Something like that. It was a long, 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 long time ago. In a galaxy far, far away. 
<laughs> yes, it feels that way. Like when you think to yourself, like I've been self-publishing comics for ten years, you're like, holy shit, that's a crazy number to think about sometimes. But yeah, man, and you learn something every book, and you learn who to work with and who not to work with, and what to do and what works and what doesn't work. So it's just a process, and we're still feeling it out. But yeah, man, so I'm just plugging away, just chugging along. Well, congrats on the ten years of self-publishing, and tell me what has changed in self-publishing from your perspective from when you started to now. I think the biggest change would be Kickstarter, because uh, when I first started self-publishing, like Kickstarter was in its infancy. It was a it was a new kind of resource that people really didn't fully understand or properly take advantage of. You didn't really kind of grab the power that a good Kickstarter could have for your book or for your career for that matter. It was just like, it almost felt like, really, I'm just going to go online and ask people for money? Like, that's going to work? And now, I mean, it's a really great way to kind of boost your your profile or your career or you know, whatever it is you're trying to do. So it's been a definite exciting change. Now, what have you learned and improved upon with self-publishing? What do you know now? I wish you knew when you first started. Oh, the thing I wish more than anything else was hiring an editor. Just the other day, I had some guy who I don't know, like message me on Twitter, like, hey, I want to start writing comics. Like, what should I do? And I was like, well, first you should start writing, you know, six to eight page stories. And that's kind of what every writer tells you when you first start out. But hire an editor. That's the first thing. After you write your six or eight pages, like go on Twitter, go on social media, Find someone that can edit your book, that can edit your words, that can copy edit. Because you're kind of corralling cats at some point when you're dealing with a writer. So if you can kind of push everything back in and just rock it out that way, that would have been the first thing. Because, I mean, like an editor would have helped so much. And then it gets you kind of in the process of brainstorming and figuring things out. Because it's a very solitary existence. Like if you're writing comics by yourself, as Walt can attest, I mean, Walt's doing double duty sometimes because he's an artist and a writer that he does alone. You're like a man on an island. Like you're Tom Hanks in Castaway. Like you're just a dude talking to a volleyball. So it's nice to kind of, it's just nice to kind of have you know, another set of eyes, another set of ears to kind of bounce things off of and see where you are with your project. That's great advice because I've had other guests say the same thing. Hire an editor. Don't cheap out. You need that editor. And also, Bob, thank you for the wonderful segue. <laughs> Walt, you've published books in print. You've been on Webtoons. You've got Shiver that's going to come out through Scout Comics as single issues. And as Bob said, you do it all. You pencil, you ink, you color, you write. Each takes a lot of work, a lot of practice to master that skill, if we can ever truly master anything in a single lifetime. Which do you prefer, writing or drawing, or are they just so inexplicably entwined for you that there's no separation? I would say that they're so completely different and disconnected for me that I kind of think of them in, as two different problems that I have to solve. For me, just like my mental like artist brain monkey on my back, uh, telling me that I'm not awesome at stuff. Writing is a lot easier for me versus art. The monkey gets a lot louder. Now, how do you allocate your time so that you have enough attention to writing and drawing? I am very impatient, so I kind of go as fast as I can. So as soon as I can say that the writing is done, and for me, when I write my own stories, it's basically like kind of a uh, glorified outline at that point, and then I'll start <laughs> writing right away or start drawing right away. And I'll just start making things up and rewriting as I go along. In a way, like the Marvel method, you have the basic story, you write it, and then do you start to refine dialogue and tweak the art as you go along? 
Uh, yeah, and sometimes the plot. Okay. <laughs> As it feels needed. <laughs> well, you have that freedom and you have total control, so why not? <laughs> well, I'm real looking forward to and want to start talking about uh, Shark Metal Bro. I'm sorry, Metal Shark Bro. The order is very important. If you get the order mixed up, then you're, you could be talking about somebody else's book. And then some guy who worked on a book called Shark Metal Bro is like, holy smokes, they were talking about my book on some podcast, but they were talking to these three weirdos. They because we haven't, from- yeah, we haven't cornered the market on anthropomorphic sharks. So word order is really important here, man. It is. And uh, I knew I'd screw it up. <laughs> <laughs> so MSB. Let's talk about that origin story of the book, because it came together through a combination of science, sharks, and ACDC, of all things. Bob, tell me about that. It was 2016, and I was driving home from the Hampton Comic Con in Hampton, Virginia. I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I find any excuse to go back to see Kevin and Drew Moss and uh, Mike Federale, the guy who runs Hampton Comic Con as well as Tidewater Comic Con. And he was nice enough to invite me to a show. Um, so I did the show and I was driving back and it was super early in the morning and it was just I was punch drunk from not sleeping because when you're hanging out with your friends and people you barely get to see. You know, you stay up till all hours of the night. You have a good time. I left at like five o'clock in the morning to make like a 10 hour drive back. And I was listening to the radio and I was, there's this great classic rock station in Richmond, Virginia. And ACDC was on and I was really enjoying ACDC. And then after ACDC was over, the DJ came on and was like doing his like weekend DJ break thing. Like, hey, that was ACDC. All right. Hey, I don't know if you guys have heard this story or not, but. You know, there is a scientist recently who played heavy metal music for sharks. That's right. It sounds crazy, right? Like they put the speakers in the water and the sharks just loved it, man. They went bonkers. And here's David Bowie with Young Americans. And I heard that break, like that short little radio break. And I was like, oh, my God, that's the best thing in the whole wide world. So I called Kevin immediately because it was Sunday. And I know Kevin's work schedule because that's how I am because I talk to him constantly. And he's one of my dear friends. So of course, I know when he's going to be at work. So I called him and I was like, dude. Sharks like heavy metal. Sharks like heavy metal. And then we just started kind of kicking this idea around. And at first we wanted to do Metal Shark Bro as a villain in another book that we were working on. And Kevin was like, no, 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 this thing is too epic. It's too good. It needs its own book. So then we started kicking around more ideas. And throughout the rest of the eight and a half hour drive, uh, we had this book basically outlined. Like we had the entire first arc finished. Like it was done. It was just a matter of coming home and typing it up and going from there so it was it was kind of like a it was a miracle if you really think about it because if i hadn't heard that radio break i might not have never have known that sharks liked heavy metal music and metal shark bro would have been this random idea that never came to fruition you know what i'm saying so it was it was almost like fate had intervened man like the, for those about rock we salute. the metal the med- no, it was a uh, highway to hell like the heavy metal gods like came down and blessed us with this idea and it's our duty it's our job it's our life calling to get this idea done to bring it to the masses so everyone can appreciate sharks that kill people for satan i guess and it just works it's an amazing collaboration just during a drive in less than one day in less than a work day you've got the idea the first arc done you got nothing to do you're just driving (laughs) kevin's just stocking soda so we're just chatting and it was basically just 
how much can we make each other giggle while we're doing this task? So we're just kind of snowballing things out there. What about this? What about this? What about this? And if the giggle was good enough, it was like, all right, it works. Let's keep it. So, and that's all it was. Like it was just, I mean, and it sounds kind of preposterous, but that's just how it worked out. That's exactly how it worked out. Like there's no, no other exactly true. <laughs> yeah. It was just like, what about this? And like, no, I don't know, son. Like, what about it, this? And I got home and I told my wife and I was like, Stephanie, you got to listen to this. And she was like, you're out of your face. And I was like, yes, I am. She's like, all right, just do it. And that's how Metal Shark Bro was born. It was who could make each other laugh harder. That's what we were doing. And gag after gag, it was whether or not it worked and how hard we laughed, whether or not we would actually put that down. And then he would stop every now and then since he had the luxury of stopping when he would stop for gas, he would write down the gags that were worthy of giggles. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so he was like, I'm going to write some of this down. That way we don't forget it because we'll forget all this funny stuff and all this funny shit will be lost if I don't stop somewhere to get a drink and pee and write this down. So that's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> so well, when did you come into the process and how? I met Kevin at a couple different like comic book conventions. I think Heroes Con was the big one and he brought me beer. So I instantly liked him. <laughs> <laughs> that's my tactic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Nobody yeah. out there that's a writer steal that. Well, yeah, I didn't mean to give away your secret, my bad. I think uh, he was telling me he was a writer, and he, he sent me a couple of other stories that him and Kevin, or him and Bob were working on, and they sent me this one. The title has changed, because it used to be Metal Shark, comma, bro, exclamation point. That's uh, true. <laughs> and I wrote him back, and I was like, is that his actual name? Like, is that how it's going to show up in the lettering? And that was my first question about it, but, like, it was just... Like, I mean, just even starting with the name, it was so ridiculous. I had to see, like, what else was going on with the story. So it kind of grew from that. You guys kickstarted this. You raised $25,000, well over 600 backers. What's next for Metal Shark Bro? We got to finish the book. We got to do the scary stuff now. So when do you plan to deliver? Never. Never. That does happen no, sometimes. I, yeah. <laughs> the soft deadline is April, so hopefully. I mean, the hard deadline is April, but we've all talked, and it'll probably be... But let's not paint ourselves into a corner here. <laughs> yeah. April. It'll be April. Let's just April. Yeah. Yes, April. It'll be on time. It'll be yes. on yes. time. And part of the reason why, you know, like, we're going to ensure the book is on time, because as you said, you know, we raised $25,000, which is still, like, when you say it, like, when the words come out of my mouth, I don't know how Walt and Kevin feel about it, but I know because we've talked about it. It's like, it's weird. what happened? But yeah, like, we had a giant surge at the end so we decided like we were gonna hire a fulfillment company and all that jazz so we can get the book out quicker because there's such a demand people really want this book so we just want to get it done as quickly as possible we want to get it out so we hired a, a fulfillment company with backer kit and we're gonna get this thing done we're gonna rock it out are you shopping around for a publisher outside of kickstarter concurrently or are you going to wait until the kickstarter goes out i mean do you want to see this they coming to us son they coming to us, they coming to us. <laughs> that's the spirit <laughs> We got people in my driveway right now just with big sacks of money and contracts begging us, please let us have that metal shock, bro. Please give it to us. But if you are a publisher and you're interested, like, you know, the, the offers are on the table. I'll let Walt answer. I'm making a, a mockery of myself. So Walt, you can answer this <laughs> That's one. normal. Well, me? Why me? Um, <laughs> I'm the greatest one here and you're going to put the ball in my court? <laughs> 
to be fair, Walt, this is the most serious question, and I don't want my stupidity to mess this thing up. So it's too late for that. He's got a point. <laughs> <laughs> We're open to possibilities. We've had some interest. There is some interest on uh, on a publisher kind of standpoint. It's just a matter of which kind of works best for the book, basically, right. you know. And to be fair, too, I mean, we're so far away from the book being done, but it's just flattering to open emails and be like, hey, we saw this book and we were interested in publishing it. And it's like, dude, this is killer. Like, we send messages back and forth to each other on email and Facebook, and it's like, this is so much fun. Like... <laughs> It's like being the pretty girl at school and like everybody wants to ask you to prom, you know, it's really fun. Well, that sounds really promising. <laughs> Something else I'd like to know, what metal music would you pair with Metal Shark Bro? I'm going to let Bob answer that one first. Why do I have to do all the talking? No, no, I, I, you're going to say Motorhead. I am. I'm going to say Motorhead. Like, I'm going to say Don Cardenas wrote a specific song for Metal Shark Bro that you can look up called Metal Shark Bro. There's a specific song that uh, a guy who draws comics, Don, a nice dude and a friend of ours, uh, decided that he wanted to write music for it. And it's kind of Motorhead-ish, the way he, he scored the music. So I would say that that one definitely goes along with the comic. Any kind of anthrax would work. If we're talking 80s thrash metal, I mean, it's Megadeth, Hook and Mouth. I mean, if we're going to go Metal Shark Bro-themed. You know, you should think about a playlist, because a lot of uh, writers and artists are doing that now, where they'll have a playlist for the book, and they'll put it out on Spotify. So you can have that one song as the theme song, and then you can say, hey, we recommend. You know, We might steal your idea, Chris. That might happen. Hey, I'm not the one to first never <laughs> think, but please, have at it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's segue into metal. Let's talk some metal. Now, I... I'm a newbie. I consider myself a newbie. I'm coming to this late, but at least I came to the party. I've exhausted every other kind of music, and I was kind of like, yeah, 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 and then started listening to a podcast, and they were talking about metal, and I was learning so much, so it was fascinating because I was hearing all this music that was fresh to me, and I'm learning all about the people behind it, so I'm double pumped about it, so it's really exciting, and this is so timely, our conversation. Kev, as you may know, last night, I went to my first metal concert, <laughs> and so did my wife. <laughs> <laughs> she was a good sport uh, because I was very enthusiastic. <laughs> I was a little hoarse afterwards. I went to see Ozzy Osbourne and Stone Sour open for them at the uh, BB&T in Camden, New Jersey. And I arrived a little late because we were like parking and then running like 15 minutes to get to the darn stadium. <laughs> it was just so far away. But man, I'll tell you what awesome show seeing stone sour i was just excited to see them as it was to see ozzy and when ozzy came out i didn't have high expectations because he'll be 70 in december that's a hard 70 like yeah yeah like yeah like ozzy 70 is like everybody else like 130 years old like <laughs> that's a hard 70 kudos to him because i was amazed it was a great show visually the band he had playing with him was just incredible. I mean, and, and I'd never seen him before, but Zach Wilde was the guitar player for him last night. He's amazing. If you go into this site called uh, FM Setlist, they list all the songs from the show. And at one point, Zach comes out into the audience. He walks up the center aisle, and he's playing a solo. He's, they're playing War Pigs, and he did a medley, and he stood there in front of the crowd. He's surrounded by security guards. He played for like 10, 15 minutes in the crowd, he played flawlessly, then started playing behind his head, didn't miss a beat. Then he did the old Jimi Hendrix, I'm playing it with my teeth now, and didn't miss a note. And I was like, oh my God. Kevin <laughs> knows that dude. I've met Zach no. before. Like, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell them the stories, Kevin. We, I was in a band before I did comics, and we opened up for Zach's side band away from Ozzy, Black Label Society, and he came into our dressing room. He's super tall, too, so, I mean, you might have noticed that. He's, like, 6'3 or 6'4, because I'm 5'11, and he was way taller than me. He looks like Thor. Yes, he does. Yeah, visual... <laughs> see? He looks like Thor. <laughs> right. And he was like, hey, guys, here's some PBR, because that's what we drink, so... I figured it's good enough for you two and put it down. And like, it was a bucket of ice with PBR and nobody usually offers their openers anything. It it was super nice of him. And we were like, wow, thanks. We weren't expecting to get anything at all. (laughs) So he is a super nice guy um, on more than one occasion. And he's a great dude. And he's a great guitar player. Like watching him play live, you'll get blown away. He's just that good. The good thing about him is he's a nice guy too. I was amazed. He's just a See, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Kevin is totally shortchanging this story because what Kevin failed to tell you is he used to be in this band. He told you that part, but like this band at one point was signed to Sharon Osbourne's record label. What was the label called, Kevin? Divine Records. He had a record contract with Sharon Osbourne. It was 18 months long, Chris. That's company. why. I but I mean, you still had 18 <laughs> months and like you met Ozzy and like you met Metallica and you did all this cool shit. Oh I didn't God, really dude. meet Ozzy. You're not allowed to meet Ozzy. So like, that's another thing. It, it, but I mean, this, this requires are... a whole other podcast. You're, but I mean, what I'm saying is you're wasting quality anecdotes on this podcast. Don't I mean, hold back. I would rather talk about comics than, than music. But, okay. Yeah, Ozzy, you're not allowed to talk to. So that's something else I could tell. Like, I mean, there's always someone around him because she wants to make sure that he doesn't get back on drugs. And she kind of mentioned it as an aside. It was kind of like, yeah, well, you're not allowed to talk to Ozzy right now because we're worried about him and the way he does things. And he has a teleprompter. One of the speaker rigs looks like, a, I told Bobby about this, it's a teleprompter so he doesn't forget the lyrics because like Bobby said, that's a hard 70 for that man. It looks like a, a monitor speaker. It looks like a karaoke machine? No, no, no. It looks like a monitor, like what you would hear the other band members out of so you can hear. Yeah, it's on the floor. Uh-huh. It's on the floor, correct. It's actually a prompter. So oh, he doesn't cool. forget the lyrics. because. Nice. I had heard that, and I didn't see a teleprompter. It's true. And now I know you just explained it to me. It was on the floor as a monitor. It looks like a monitor, so you would never see it unless you're close enough. But you can see it from backstage. You can see it from the side of the stage. But it's just so in case he forgets the lyrics, he knows where to pick it up at. And it's not like karaoke. I think the lyrics are just up there in case he loses his place. Okay. (laughs) See – I don't know if you guys know this, but Walt does that for podcasting. Like, he has all of his stories on a teleprompter on the floor, so he can just look down really fast and go, oh, yeah, this one time, he's, he does the exact same thing. All the greats do it, I think. I think you're right, Bobby. And you've met uh, Metallica? Metallica was too cool to meet, but Jason Newstead was not. So, And I'm not saying that to talk trash. I mean, they had, like, a huge selling album, and apparently that was during Hetfield's alcoholism stuff. I had known some of the guys in the opening band for them when they were doing their uh, Load Reload tour. Mm-hmm. And one of them was like, you want to meet Metallica? And I was like, are you fucking shitting me? <laughs> I mean, why would I say no? I was like, yes, I would like to meet Metallica. That would be awesome. Now, eighth grade me would be completely shocked and appalled if i traveled back in time and told eighth grade me that you're gonna meet metallica someday that'd be i wouldn't believe it also eighth grade me would not recognize current me so that would be <laughs> <laughs> like are you here to molest me you have a weird beard like <laughs> what's going on here um so yeah it was weird jason newstead was super nice super courteous and um just the nicest all-around person i think he's still playing bass for us it was that who was the bass player? He wasn't the bass player. It was uh, Rob Nicholson last night. Okay. 
but for a while he was the bass player for Ozzy. Basically, Metallica and Ozzy traded bass players. So to bring it back to what you saw last night, I was hoping it was Newstead because when I saw them, when I saw Ozzy, it was Newstead, and that was not so long ago. Maybe well, that was long ago, probably five or six years ago. <laughs> I had to change my mind on that. I thought about it. I don't know what Newstead's doing now, but I know that um, he left Metallica. But he was super nice. As it would just so happen to be, my next concert is Metallica. Nice! You'll enjoy that. Every time I've seen them live, they've been really good. Also, since you're getting into metal, Chris, I would recommend going to see Tool live at any point because they will blow your mind. Okay. Writing it down? Yeah. (laughs) So I have uh, Metallica, and then in December, I have Ghost. Oh, that's awesome. I've heard good things. I'm really stoked about that, too. So I've gone from none <laughs> to three this quarter. So uh, I guess my wife's going to that one. Someone's going with me to that one. I'm not sure if she's up for that, but I'm definitely going. I know who you each like, who your favorite is. But each of you, please tell me, who is the best metal band to you? But more importantly, why? I like Anthrax. And I've always liked Anthrax because they seem to like have fun and they like comics and like, I feel like I, I always felt like I could relate to them. Ever since I was a kid, my favorite things to listen to was State of Euphoria. And then I used to try and skate, which Walt does really well. And I don't do really well and listen to Anthrax. So um, it was like Anthrax and a bunch of other uh, thrash bands at the time. So I would say Anthrax, for me, they seem like they know how to have fun. Very good. Bob? Now, I don't know if it's metal per se, um, but I know when I was working on the Metal Shark Bro script, like the first two issues of it when we were writing it i used to, i watched song remains the same the led Ze- have you seen the led zeppelin movie song remains the same it's the dumbest yet greatest thing in the whole wide world i don't know if you've ever watched it high but you should probably watch it high too because it's even more ludicrous but it's just led zeppelin was so big in 1974 i think when this came out they literally could do whatever they wanted to do and they're like we're gonna make a two-hour movie and like i'm robert plant and i'm gonna sword fight a dude and they're like yeah sure whatever and like they let him do it like at a ren fair he looks like he's going to a ren fair and like he's sword fighting people and it's just the best thing in the whole wide world so i'm gonna say even though i don't know if they're classified as metal per se but I'm probably going to say Led Zeppelin is probably my favorite quote-unquote metal band. And if not the greatest band ever, I would say Led Zeppelin. I can't argue with you there. I had like all the albums, like the vinyl. That's how much I was into it. Dude, like like you can turn on like Houses of the Holy and it still like rules your face. Like it's still such a great record. I don't know, man. I love I love Zeppelin. I don't know if you ever listened to like their BBC sessions that oh, they yeah. did. They put those Yeah, those BBC sessions where they just record them live at the BBC back in like the early 70s. They played Days and Confused for 28 minutes and it's just amazing to listen to. So I don't know. Led Zeppelin probably for me is wonderful. Yeah, I have that BBC Session CD set, and I was just looking around today at other stuff on the web, and they have one of Motorhead BBC yeah, I saw Sessions, that. too. You see that? Yeah, I was looking at it on Spotify the other day when I was listening to some Motorhead. It was pretty dope. How about you, Walt? All-time favorite and why? Back when I was listening to music and stuff, I mean, I still listen to music, but I did not really like metal to begin with. <gasps> um <laughs> It sounded weird to me. I mean, I was like into Nine Inch Nails and stuff. It was not on the same uh, page. But the first time I heard Slipknot, I was like, what the heck am I listening to? That's my go-to band because that came to me like when I was like in a really angry time of my life. And so that music was perfect. Like as soon as those drums kick in, like I'm ready to break stuff. Yeah, the first time I heard them, which was um, what, like a few months ago? I was like, hey, this is, wow, this is really growing on me. So I I like that a lot. And uh, what really amazes me is Corey Taylor is 
in Slipknot, but he's also with Stone Sour. The difference in music, Stone Sour is still heavy metal and everything, but there's a little more range of what he does in that. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe he can go from that one style and then flip over to this. It's amazing how he has that range. Yeah, he's an awesome singer. I mean, like even in Slipknot, if you listen through the noise, like he does a lot of stuff with his voice that's crazy. And his lyrics are really powerful too. That's something I think people should realize and that I didn't realize when I was listening to music and I wasn't listening to metal yet is that there is a lot of technical skill and ability that these guys have it's not like oh they can't do this or that no they can they choose to do this they have such ability and such range this is just how they choose to do it and every once in a while you'll see something like just like last night seeing Zach Wilde play you're like oh my god and let me say something else about Zach the man can wear a kilt I mean, he was wearing a blue kilt. I never saw that. You witnessed something I didn't witness, Chris. He could also hold Mjolnir, and you would be like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, he guy's like a monster. He's like muscles rippling, everything. My wife's like, that guy, he's not young stuff, but look at him. I said, yeah, I mean, geez, he's like just a little younger than me, and good Lord. <laughs> Amazing. That's why I think I like Jimmy Page so much as a guitar player, because he's so sloppy and so messy and like when you watch and you listen to zeppelin the riffs sound the same but all the solos are different and he's just kind of playing what he's feeling and i i appreciate the improvisation of that i dig it that's one of the things i've always enjoyed about led zeppelin when you're talking about how technical and how precise zach wilde is jimmy page is the exact opposite and that's what kind of makes it fun and that's what makes all those live recordings of led zeppelin fun because you don't know what you're going to get like you don't know what you're going to hear you don't know what notes they're going to play you don't know how it's going to kind of turn out and it's really interesting to listen to and he's doing all that like while being a witch which is really fun (laughs) (laughs) it is fun i like the the different variations and takes on all these songs you don't know what you're going to get Every time you hear a live performance, it's like hearing a different version. It's like hearing something new and fresh. I like any band that does it. They're mixing it up. Love that. Final metal question. Where should I start? What is a good entry point? What would you suggest someone start with? Wow, that's a good question. Um, I would say start with something that's not as heavy because that way that could be your gateway into other types of metal. I don't want to recommend Linkin Park, but uh, <laughs> but I also don't want to see... It's not because I hate them or anything. They're all right for what they are. Um, wow, that's a good question. Can I come... Can I, can I, can I think? Sure, I think yeah. Because does anybody else have an... an, an Led Zeppelin's a good one. Uh, Motorhead's a good one, too. One of those two, I would say. Start listening to Zeppelin. Start listening to Because you'll recognize some of the riffs in Zeppelin and Motorhead and other things. I listened to stuff like Led Zeppelin and ACDC as a kid, but I didn't consider that metal so much. But I really started with... Black Sabbath and Ozzy, because that was a little more approachable, I guess. Even my wife is like into Ozzy stuff too. I mean, she's like, she likes it because it has more, I guess, a little more mass appeal. So it's a good place to start. Then you can dig deeper into like the heavier stuff. Like Faith No More would be a good one too, I would say. They have a lot of different styles of songs on all their albums. Like no song is the same. So Faith No More is probably still my favorite band of all time if you're just talking about bands because they just do so many different kinds of music every song you listen to is a different type of song good advice and i have fun questions to ask all my guests i don't know what else to call it so i call it fun questions that's a really good name <laughs> i think that's what you should call it for fun just fun fun questions like I, I if you want i can make you some like production for it so you can have like a little sweeper to put in there like fun questions with chris i don't want this to turn to letterman i'm just saying i mean but you know it's something that everybody knows and they, you know it's got that mass appeals right 
He's thinking about your marketing, Chris. <laughs> I am, dude. I'm. Hey, look, Chris. I'm here. I'm here to Bob, help you. Bob man. is a like, renaissance man. You I'm only. See, the thing is, Chris. I'm only going to be on this one podcast. But I mean, I can have a lasting effect on your career, man. By like, let me help you. Let me help you. Let me help you. <laughs> I think he wants to take advice from the guy who wrote a thing called Metal Shark Pro. Dude, fuck Don't you, man. Him. You wrote it too. <laughs> I know. What are you I talking know. about? I know. I didn't give him any advice though. Look, I like I how parenting when... advice. I no, like I how yeah, you want to t- take parenting advice from the guy. Yeah. Right. Shark. But I like how when things turn south, Kevin's quick to jump off of a man overboard. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump on Bob. That's what I'm uh-huh. gonna do. <laughs> hear that, hear that wall. You and I we got this idea, baby. This is all you and me. <laughs> okay, guys. So we'll go in order. Kevin, Bob, and Walt. Fun like- question. <laughs> <laughs> what do you each like to do? When you're not working really hard for rest and relaxation to kick back. Drink craft beer and hang out with my son, but not at the same time. <laughs> well, that's a good idea. <laughs> but I, I, when my son's not around, I'll drink some craft beer and hang out. When he is around, I would like to spend time with him and do things that he's interested in because they're only young ones. That's right. <laughs> How about you, Bob? I play a lot of D&D. I like D&D. And then if I'm not playing D&D, I'm a big fan of uh, English Premier League soccer. Like I love I love football, not American football, but European football. My favorite club is Manchester City Football Club, and I'm a member of the Cincinnati branch of the Manchester City Football Club supporters group. So I like to go to a bar. I don't drink, though, so it's not that bad. We watch European football and yell at the TV screen. It's a lot of fun. Like, I like to relax by yelling at soccer players. (laughs) That's how I relax. That's how I choose to do it. How about you, Walt? I don't know if such a time exists. Um, uh, Maybe sleep I like to do when I'm not drawing and making comics. I like to sleep. That's about it, man. There isn't much time in the day anymore. I tell you what, you got to get enough sleep because the days I don't, I'm just totally beat by two in the afternoon, but the days I get a little more sleep, I feel great and I function way better. Yeah, I need to get at least seven hours. If I do anything less than that, I've found out it's pointless because then I'm just useless the next part of the day. So I might as well just go to sleep and start fresh in the morning. I respect Walt in that aspect because he does keep like really professional hours. You do try to go to bed by like 10 o'clock every night, don't you? So you can get up feeling fresh and ready to rock in the morning, Walter? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Like nine if I can. (laughs) Wow. But like I dig that because that's the one thing I think a lot of comic creators, writers and artists like they just kind of work themselves to no end. They work themselves so hard. And it's like if you can kind of set up a nice schedule for yourself where you're getting the rest that you need because your body has to kind of revive yourself. And like I think that's very I think it's a very well thought out strategy by Walter. It is. Now, I'm going to go in reverse order this time. Walter. Oh, sh- oh we, it's, we're getting crazy. <laughs> <laughs> there I are fun be, questions, Rob. I want to be fair. I want to be fair. Think back to a birthday that stands out in your mind. What's so special about it? Man, I don't know. That's a hard question for someone that's blocked out their childhood. Um, <laughs> no. That's the best answer ever. Wow, that was really dark. <laughs> Matt, I didn't These think questions were supposed to be fun, Walt. Like, fun. <laughs> we can talk about it, but I have to charge it for that hour, though. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, I don't, man, I don't know. There's been so many, so many bad birthdays. Um, 
Well, uh, it's a good thing you swapped the questions because mine's not good, and then uh, Bob and Kevin will cheer it up. So I'll pass it on to them. All right. All Bob, right. what do you got? Last year I was 40 years old. I have two children, a beautiful wife who's just wonderful. She's a great lady. Last year for my 40th birthday, I wanted to do something different, so we had Pie Fest. Pie Fest was, was it was a, a, a night that just consisted of pies. We had quiche appetizer pies and then for dinner we had chicken pot pie and shepherd's pie and then for dessert my wife bought like a little pie tin she made all these little miniature pies and friends came over and they brought pies it was really wonderful so pie fest has become like a it's going to become like an annual event at the france household so much so that i think we're going to get t-shirts made we're going to have pie fest t-shirts <laughs> and like pie shirt posters that all the families who come over get so like i need to commission an artist it's a good thing i know plenty of them to draw like a pie holding pies wearing sunglasses pie fest 2018 this is what i like to do in my spare time i like to come up with really weird ideas for birthdays but yeah pie fest was probably the greatest and best experience i've ever had because i mean it's pie like who doesn't enjoy pie right everyone loves it there's a pie for everyone and think of a festival of pies not just one pie many pies of all kinds of all shapes and sizes it was truly truly an occasion kevin what do you got <laughs> I, I don't have anything as great as pie fest i have like a beer can birthday cake no one on, does on 30 no i no one probably does would they savory meat pie? <laughs> Uh, there were savory meat pies. That's what we're gonna try to do this year. Like that's, more of like that's a Bob's thing. Savory meat yeah, pie. <laughs> oh man, Kevin and I and Drew Moss were and where were we? Lexington, Kentucky, and there was this yeah. restaurant called Pies and Pints, and I'd never heard of this place before. And I was like, dude, they have to sell traditional meat pies because pies and pints. And we went there, and it was just pizza, and I was so outraged. Because you can't have a name of a place called Pies and Pints because the pint makes you think European. That's very European when you're saying a pint of something. So I thought it was going to be like an English pub with meat pies, but they just had stupid pizza. I was so mad. Then we went to this great Chinese place. It was awesome. Well, I, I, had, a, I had a beer can birthday cake. Feet. That was that was 36. It wasn't as great as pie. Nothing is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Think back growing up between like 12 and 14, somewhere around there. What picture or poster did you have on your bedroom wall, Kevin? Oh, wow. I don't think I had anything. Not anything great anyway. Um, no, I didn't really have any posters or pictures up. I met up in a D&D, like, pool of radiance <laughs> thing. I'm not <laughs> big of a nerd. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I think that's true, too. It was like a dude in chainmail holding a sword with a dragon behind him yeah that's awesome and i'm jealous of bob's ability to play D at any time with like everybody on the internet it's not any time i uh, but know, i'm still jealous i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie i'm jealous of it tr we're trying to get a game together kevin it's just it's not working out the way we intended <laughs> bob what was on your wall i was into music obviously i was into a variety of music one of my favorite groups growing up was public enemy and I had a Public Enemy poster on my wall. It was like from 1991, from the Apocalypse record, and it was that album cover, and it was on my wall. And it was the coolest shit in the whole wide world because, I mean, like, it's Public Enemy. And, like, Public Enemy, like, I didn't listen to a lot of punk rock growing up. Like, I wasn't super into punk rock. My punk rock was, like, angry, like, Afrocentric, like, KRS-One hip-hop, like, KRS-One, Public Enemy, Eazy-E, NWA, stuff like that. I was super into Public Enemy, and my parents had no idea who Public Enemy was. So, like, I felt like I was getting one over on them 
by like listening to songs like Fight the Power and shit like that. Like they had no idea that their son was like an angry black youth. But it was really fun. I really enjoyed that Public Enemy poster. I still wish I had it. It was like it was like Terminator X was in the background and then like the S1Ws were next to him and then Chuck D was just kind of standing there with his arms crossed and like Flav was on his knees like pointing at the cameraman. How about you? I love that poster. I'm going to take your 13 years old and I'm going to raise you to uh, like 16 or 17. Uh, Like most of my childhood's blocked out and I was like very focused on grades I think. That was the only thing I could care about at that time. If I do 16 or 17 it would probably be like a bunch of um, Nine Inch Nail posters and Marilyn Manson posters pretty much spread out everywhere. You said you were focused on school. I thought it was going to be like a periodic chart or something like that. That's awesome. <laughs> no, there was nothing on my walls. It was plain blank empty walls, uh, nose in a book. Speaking of books, hypothetical, you're stuck on a deserted island. What would that one book be that you'd want to have with you? Kevin. Wow. Um, hmm. That's a good question. It can be a collected edition. It can be, yes. I would take I would take all the Hellboy books with me. Those would be awesome to read over and over again. Yeah, okay. How about you, Bob? Um, I'm a really big fan of James Elroy. He wrote LA Confidential. Uh, that's probably his most famous work. He wrote a series of books like back in the early 2000s, like 1999, 2000. American Tabloid is the name of the book. I love American Tabloid. It's about like a fictional tale of like the Kennedy assassination involving like mafia guys and like rogue FBI agents and stuff like that. Like it's just so well done. It's such a great book. Like, I don't know if you've ever read Elroy. He has such a stylized way to write and like, it's like the vernacular that he speaks in is so very hip and kind of cool. It's just very fun. It's very noir. I, d- I love James Elroy. So I'd have to say the American trilogy that he put out a couple years ago. It's just so much fun. And you will. Uh, man, yeah, it would be a toss up, I think, between either the Harry Potters or the Scott Pilgrims. And I think I'd have to go with uh, Harry Potter just because of the sheer size of it. Okay. <laughs> have enough to occupy your time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, we've already, Kevin, talked a bit. What is your beverage of choice? Craft beer? If you're talking about, like, relaxing, I mean, most of the time I don't drink. So I only drink usually when I don't have my son around, which is rarely. Um, I enjoy dark craft beers. I don't enjoy IPAs for some odd reason. All the hops gets to me. So darker craft beers. And Bob, for you. I'm just a coffee man. Just shoot it directly into my veins so the caffeine can take over my body quicker. Like After a certain point, I have to stop drinking coffee because I want to sleep. But if it's anywhere from like, you know, five o'clock in the morning to about four o'clock in the evening, I'm just drinking black coffee all day. I like coffee and water. I'm a simple man. Yeah, no lattes, no cappuccinos. You want coffee. Nothing in your coffee, just coffee. Nah, just black coffee. Walt, how about you? I'm kind of on the same page, except I want all kinds of stuff in my coffee. So if uh, health didn't matter and sugar was okay, uh, Starbucks caramel macchiato, I would drink all the time. But most of the time, it's just black coffee in the morning. And that is what I would drink all the time if it wouldn't keep me awake. All right, very good. Let's get back to comics. What is the comic book besides your own that you think people should be reading now that they might be overlooking? Kevin, is there one out there that you're like, hey, this is great? Maybe Blood Brothers by Fabian Randall. I really liked that book. Um, I really liked the art, and I really liked the way the story was presented. So I would say that. If you haven't read that, pick that up. Or even um, Space Riders. That's another good one by the same author and a different artist. How about you, Bob? Uh, that book, Border Town, looks pretty dope. I haven't had a chance to run out and pick that one up yet because I think my shop sold out of it. Uh, that one looks pretty good. I'm also, um, you know what, man? I gotta just say, go back and read uh, Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. 
Like, just go back and read that. Matt Rosenberg and Tyler Boss. I would agree with that, too. Or, or, or We Can Never Go Home. I never even think about that one. But We Can Never Go Home is probably my favorite comic of 2015. It was awesome. And that's uh, Matt Rosenberg and Josh Hood, Patrick Kinlan, and Brian Lovell. Awesome book. Very good. Walt, what do you recommend? Man, there's so many books out there that don't get enough love, especially self-published ones. So I'll give you two answers. I think Dust Bunny is one that I got from a, a guy, uh, Brett Books, when I was at Heroes Con. Um, and he gave me this book, like just walking past him or whatever and talking to him for a minute. And it's like this really cool, like detective noir story, except that it has to deal with like everything that lives under the carpet. Like the main character is an actual Dust Bunny. And there's like all kinds of like different plays on just dirt and cleanliness, how uh, being clean is like their drug. Um, and so they can get hooked on being clean because everything's supposed to be dirty. So it was just a really well-written story. And then the other thing I would say too is anybody that wants to read new comics of all different types, of all different kind of art styles, they should head over to uh, webtoon.com. There's so many awesome comics up there that you can read for free, so you can't really beat that. Very good advice. Yes, I checked that out myself. I've discovered a lot of books in there I really like a great deal. Very good advice. One more question. Folks who missed out on the Kickstarter, is there a way that they could get the book? On the Kickstarter page, there's a button on there uh, that will let you pre-order the book, and so you can make sure that you get your copy of the book that way. So you can just find it from the Kickstarter page. Very good. Metal Shark Bro, accept those substitutes. Gentlemen. Thank you so much for being on Creator Talks. Thank you for having us. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you very much. Well, it's time again for the Baltimore Comic Con, and I'll be there this Sunday only, September 30th, moderating a panel between 1.30 and 2.30, room 345 and 346, how new formats and themes are expanding comic book readership. And I put together this panel because for decades, when most people thought of comics, 22-page superhero adventures for children came to mind. And as we all know, today, greater diversity of themes and formats are expanding comic book readership. But who are these new readers? What messages do comics with new formats and themes contain that reach and inspire a whole new generation of readers? And how are creators reaching new readers with their message? So I have a panel of professional creators that will share how they are breaking the comic book status quo with new formats, themes, and approaches to storytelling. The panelists are all former guests on the show, and they include Laura Lee Gulledge of Page by Page, Will and Wit, Steve Conley of The Middle Age, and Tom Zaylor of Love and Capes, Time and Vine, Warning Label, and newcomer 10-year-old Bryce Bullock and his father Demetrius of Daddy Long Legs, and the inchworm. All will share their insights and answer your questions. So if you're at the con on Sunday, stop by room 345-346 at 1.30 to attend the panel discussion. And if you can't make it, next week on the show, I will have a recording of that panel for you to listen to. And if you haven't yet, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. It's also available on Google Play, Stitcher, and Amazon devices, as well as YouTube. Thank you for listening. This has been your host, Christopher Calloway. Until next time. <laughs>